in a year that has been so improbable, the impossible has happened. A shot on Elo. Guys, the Bulls win! You know what time it is. The most amazing, sensational, dramatic. Welcome back into another episode of the Sports Hour. This is Mitch Moe. And this is Dallin. Guys, welcome on in. It is so good to be here on this Tuesday evening. We are live on YouTube and on X, formerly Twitter. We appreciate you if you're joining us live on October the 24th. If you're listening to episode 181 of the Sports Hour on your podcast feed, thanks for for popping us on, on your commute, on your uh, jaunt, on your your walk. What do you think people do when they listen to us in podcast form? What do you think is the most likely, Mm. the most common activity? That people are doing while they're listening to us. You know, I think the easy answer would be driving to work or um, on a jog, maybe in the gym. Yeah. Pump on, getting a pump in real quick. But yeah, I, I like to think that we're a, we're a podcast for the blue collar man. Mm. So maybe while they're on the job set, maybe they got something going on in their ears. While yeah. And, you know, mm-hmm. I, I like, I, I would love to be the sports podcast, the blue collar man. And, um, so maybe maybe they're uh maybe they're sweating away, man. Maybe they got a big job ahead of them, and we're just Ooh. gonna we're just gonna give them a little bit of relaxation while they're while they're toiling away throughout the day. That's what that's what you, I like to think. At least. I love that you listen to our smooth voices, calms you down. It's refreshing. Yeah, smooth voices. <laughs> just think about a cold glass of water right now as you. Uh, as you work away uh, your life. No, but we appreciate uh, wherever you listen, however you join. Uh, it's good to be here. Uh, we had a bit of a bye week. You know, we get those during week. the season. Yeah. NFL teams get them. We get them. It's how it works. And uh, we had a bye week. We're back. It's good to be here. We've got NFL. We've got college football. Uh, we're going to talk MLB. We're going to talk a little NBA, NHL. I mean, Mitch, this is the season, October. This is the time where everything overlaps. We get a little bit of everything all at the same time. It's glorious. Oh, uh, this is, I mean, this is probably the best time of the sports season, I think. Yeah. Um, if, if you're an all-encompassing sports fan and you mm-hmm. like a little bit of everything, this is the, October, November. This is the best time for you as a sports fan because, yeah, you do get to, like, basket. It's, it's like... Uh, it's the Baskin Robbins of the sports season. 31 flavors. You get a little yeah. bit of everything here. Yeah. It's like a Brazilian steakhouse, you know, where they come around mm. with all the different Ooh. meats and you could just be like, I'll take a little bit of that, uh, that pork. That looks great. And then they come over with the steak. You're like, I'd love a little bit of that. And then they just keep coming with different things. You're like, what else can I get? I uh, yeah. MLS playoffs. Why not? Uh, is there cricket on my TV? I'll try it out. You know, have you ever uh, tried to watch crazy. a cricket game? 
At, Mitch, I don't have 32 hours to sit there and watch a cricket it's, game. It's terrible. They, it's terrible. They last I mean, like days. I, how, how does that even work? I, like, I have. I love. I love sports in all yeah. forms. I hate cricket. Like it is I, terrible. It's, it's just one I've never tried. You know, yeah. I can't. I, I just have not tried it out. Also, I just have to say real quick. I love how much we say. Uh, how often we say this is our favorite time of the sports year. Uh, <laughs> yeah, because right. every time of the sports year is our favorite. And I swear every month we're like, this is the best time of the sports calendar. I love it. It's true though. But yeah, I mean, that that's how you know you're a sports guy, right? Because you true. just get excited about it every single month of the year. That's how you know you're a sports hour guy. Yes. Sports guy. And we love it. Dallin, we're going to yeah. kick things off here with a little bit of news and let's kick it off in the world of major league baseball because it is their postseason. This is, Probably one of the better postseasons in all of sports is Major League Baseball. It's highly competitive. It's highly anticipated. We've been watching baseball since April. We're finally here. We made our postseason predictions a few weeks ago, Dallin. Uh, yeah. And let's just say they didn't turn out that hot. I uh, we, no. we made our World Series predictions. We picked a winner from the AL, winner from the NL. Um, I had the Braves over the Blue Jays in the World Series, a little rematch of the 92 World Series, mm. I believe, or 90, 93 World Series, one, one of the two that the Blue Jays won. You, Dallin, had the Dodgers over the Rays. You went with your boys in blue, the Dodgers. Turns out none of those four teams wound up making it past the first round. So <laughs> um, we were severely <laughs> off. With our predictions here, but we do know who is coming out of the AL. The Texas yeah. Rangers getting it done in seven games over the Houston Astros. Congratulations to the Texas Rangers and Bruce Bochy, one of the few managers in Major League Baseball to ever lead three different teams to the World Series. Um, a great um, accomplishment for Bruce Bochy. Um, that Texas Rangers team has been Texas Rangers team has been fun all year long to watch. Um, one of the surprises really out of the AL and them continuing to make a good playoff run tonight. Game seven, NLCS Phillies Diamondbacks Phillies, one of the favorites in the NL to begin the year. Diamondbacks really coming out of nowhere as one of uh, America's darlings teams. Um, Really putting together a solid regular season, getting in as the you know one of the wild card teams, and um, now they're one game away from making the World Series. So, Game Seven going on right now. Let's hold off a little bit on maybe making some World Series predictions. Maybe we'll circle around a back to that at the end of the show because Game Seven is going on right now. We'll keep you guys updated, um, but down a a. A postseason, I think that we're we're going to see potentially two participants in the World Series that at the beginning of the year we didn't see coming at all. Yeah, and we will certainly see two wild card teams. That is guaranteed, as the Rangers were the five seed out of the AL, and you have the four seed Phillies, the six seed Diamondbacks. So we are we are going to see two wild card teams, and this is this is why the MLB postseason is so fascinating and. Uh, and why in a very unique way, like records, if you're, if you're like a sports fan that just starts paying attention to baseball, like come October when the postseason starts, like records don't matter. Don't just look at the team with 106 wins and say, that must be the best team 
in major league baseball right now. And that's good. That should be the favorite. Cause it's, that's not the case. Uh, all, all that matters is like the last 60 days, frankly, the last 30 days, who's the hottest team heading into this postseason right now. That's what matters. Uh, and like, we saw that evidenced in this postseason, right? The Rangers enter the postseason, one of the hottest teams they've made this run. Diamondbacks did the same thing. Phillies did the same thing. Look at where they're at in the NLCS. So uh, I, I think it's just, it's one of the unique things where you can't just look at the top seeds as a favorite. It's really who's the hottest coming into the playoffs right now. And that's what matters most teams like the Dodgers were not prepared. They were not ready for that. You know, they were not playing their best baseball uh, come playoff time. And we saw that in a number of different teams. So uh, love it though. Fascinating. Love to be wrong. It's all good. We're wrong I, a lot. I don't, I don't, yeah, we're wrong probably more than we're right. So, yeah, um, I, I, I love this. I love the MLB postseason and a lot. Of, and you're absolutely right. It is who's hot, you know. Um, yeah, we've seen 83 win teams win the World Series before because they snuck mm-hmm. in as a wild card. You know, a lot of those Cardinals teams from like the early 2010s come to mind, you know, 83 wins, 85 wins, and they, they, got hot at the right time and it, it baseball is such a momentum game. And we saw that a lot with in this MLB postseason with a lot of those top seeds that got the first round by and yep. they came in hot. The Dodgers have been hot all year long, but you take that momentum away from them and they don't play for a week. Then they come into a series and they have to build that all back up again, because as just as easily as you can gain it, you can lose it just like that. And um, that's what makes the MLB postseason. So uh, fascinating. Absolutely. Yeah. Like Mitch said, uh, we will touch back, touch base again on MLB postseason before we wrap up, because uh, we will most likely have the conclusion of this Phillies Diamondbacks game right now. As we are live, uh, it is tied one one in the bottom of the fourth. So we will have okay. the final uh, by the time we wrap this up, we'll be able to give uh, thoughts on the world on the World Series. But Mitch, let's talk. Yes. Just mention briefly that the NBA tips off tonight. In fact, it's currently happening as we speak. Nuggets are taking on the Lakers. The Nuggets unveiled the trophy, the banner, had the ring ceremony uh, as uh, the Nuggets were the NBA champions last year. Uh, so NBA is back, and we'll, we're going to give a more robust little uh, season preview next week for you. For you, but uh, we'd be remiss if we didn't mention that the uh, season is underway. So, and and you know. I, I kind of forgot about this. Until I was thinking about it a couple of days ago, but you forget some of the big moves. I mean, apart from Damian Lillard and all that, that just happened recently. I mean, Bradley Beals with the Phoenix suns, Chris Paul's with the golden state warriors. James Harden is still sitting out in Philly and still questionable on what's going to happen with him. So there is, there, there's a lot new as, as it is every year in the NBA. Uh, we'll uh, sort of get into more of that next week and, and give some predictions on the season. So I'm not going to lie down. I lost touch with the NBA for a long time, yep. long time. I got to be honest with you. I'm kind of excited to talk some NBA this year. I'm really excited Hell because yeah. like, this is going to be a really, really fun season. I feel like there, there's some big moves in the off season. There's some, um, it seems like, the top four or five in each conference is as wide open as it has been in the last 10 or 15 years. Um, this seems like a really, really interesting season that's about to unfold. And I'm excited to talk some NBA with you and, and we'll get, it will definitely get into more of a nitty gritty preview um, uh, next, next week um, at, in regards to the beginning of the NBA season. Absolutely. Yeah. Down and, and, 
just as the NBA season is tipping off tonight, just a, about a week ago, we had the NHL season. Um, what a face-off, I guess, is what you would call it. A face-off <laughs> yeah. here. Uh, they started their season, and we would be remiss as the official podcast of the Seattle Kraken. You and I both Seattle Kraken fans. We would be remiss if we did not reintroduce to our lineup every week the weekly Kraken update. Yes. Um, not a good start to the year, Dallin. Not a good start to the year. One, four, and one. Yeah. Um, not a good start to the year for our boys. Uh, following our first postseason appearance last year, um, and only our second year of existence. But Dallin, much like the NBA season and the MLB season, the NHL season is a long one. It is a long journey to the top, and sometimes. You're not going to start off red hot. You have to build the blocks to set yourself up to continue to climb that mountain throughout the rest of the year. Slow start for the Kraken. Nothing to get worried about, though. I think that this is just a a small hiccup in the starting point for our boys up there in the PNW. Yeah, you know, very slow start. Goal differential is not great. Uh, no, we got blown. Some of the out least points. Some of the least points scored. So goal scored so far in the NHL and some of the most allowed. But uh, as you said, it's an 82 game season in the NHL. So we got plenty of time. And after a not only just a playoff run, but a playoff run with an upset victory in the first round and a run into the second round of the NHL playoffs. So we've got some good mojo going for us uh, in Seattle with the Kraken. So, uh, yeah, we'll, we'll hold out hope that the boys can turn it around quick here. But uh, yeah, not what you want to see. Got to get yeah. it rolling. Fun question, just to pose a little bit, so we don't just completely glance over the NHL like that. Is it the most grueling regular season in all of sports? Mm. The you length, know... the physicality, the travel. I mean, it's a little bit of those combinations of those things that you could pull from each other league, kind of all mashed yeah. into one. Are we are we talking about the most grueling regular season of in all of sports? I think that I think you could fairly say that I I will say as much as baseball is not as physically taxing or demanding as NBA, NFL, NHL every day, 162 games. And and yes, they don't play them all, but there's a reason why they don't play them all because you can't, (laughs) you know what I mean? And maintain a high level of, of competition uh you're constantly getting injured guys are in and out of lineups it, it that is quite the uh the journey both yeah physically but also mentally that grind every day for six months that's got to be pretty tough so uh i i think M- mlb probably gives it a run for its money but yeah nhl that's not that's sure that's not easy yeah i mean i like it, the quite yeah and it's just the beginning for the crack and so hang tight true boys. Uh, we got a lot of hockey left in front of us. Dallin, yeah. that's going to wrap up the news segment. Glad that we got to dip into a little bit of everything there. But let's get into the meat and potatoes of our weekly podcast. And let's get into the campus tour because, Dallin, we're going to we're going to tour a little bit around all the different campus, all the different campuses and conferences throughout the world of college football to start this with our week eight recap. Let's start in the Pac-12. The Pac-12 down. Um, big matchups last week. We had Utah and USC. That was a huge one. Uh, Utah getting it done over USC with the game-winning field goal. 
Um, this is, uh, sorry about that. Um, a little bit of technical difficulties there. Um, US, Utah getting it done over USC 34 32 game winning field goal. Um, second loss on the year for USC, a, a team that a program that we thought was just primed to be a college football playoff contender. And not only that, we kind of expected them to be in that conversation year round. Now they're in the two loss category. Um, and I said at the beginning of the year, if you, if USC doesn't make a college football playoff, this is a disappointment of a season. And now they're in the position now to almost certainly not make the playoffs. Are we looking at this Utah loss as now we could chalk this up as a disappointment of a disappointment of a season for USC? I don't know if we could get there quite yet. And uh, we could, I I, want to get to the Utah side of this, but but let's talk USC right now because Yes, obviously, these two losses are not great. Yes, they've fallen outside of the top 20 in the rankings. Uh, and it's really hard to see a scenario where they really get back into the top five. I, I 100% agree with that. However, this loss to Utah is not a bad loss. Yes, you lost at home. That's not great. Utah's a really, really good team. Utah could win the Pac-12 this year. We don't know. They still are going to play Oregon and Washington. In fact, they play Oregon this weekend in Salt Lake. So another good test for the youth. But USC's other loss is to Notre Dame, which is a non-conference loss. And Notre Dame is going to be a top 20 ranked team at the end of the season. They could be top 10 or 15. We don't really know where they'll end up, but there will be respect for uh, the Fighting Irish and that loss that you had there. If USC runs the table at this point with one loss in conference play, they still have a path at the Pac-12 championship game. And if they were to win the Pac-12 championship game, Mitch, and let's say it's against an undefeated uh, Washington squad. In fact, no, never mind. They'd have to play Washington. But you're going to get Washington and Oregon on the schedule for the, for USC before the Pac-12 championship game. So if they run the table and they beat those two teams, and then they beat a third team in the Pac-12 championship game. I, I'm just saying two losses with one of them coming out of conference and still winning the Pac-12 this year. USC would have a pretty strong case. You'd also need help. You'd need, you know, one of Ohio State and Michigan to eliminate themselves for sure. You would need uh, the SEC to for sure only put up one team. Uh, you know, you, you would need some help. But I don't think they're completely out of it. This is certainly not... Uh, the right direction they need to be. And it just shows the inherent flaws on this team, which is that this defense is a liability. It was last year. It was their downfall last year, and it continues to be their downfall this season. It just, it's frankly unacceptable that this defense is this bad for a team that should be a college football playoff contender. Utah is not a good offense at all. They're playing their third string quarterback, Bryson Barnes, the pig farmer that like, they shouldn't give up 34 points to Utah, right? It doesn't mean you might not lose to them, but you shouldn't be giving up that many points to that kind of offense. This is, this is a big problem for USC. So no, I don't think they're going to make the playoff, but the path I guess is still there. I think the path is there and you bring up, you you talk about the defense and I want to quote someone who was on where, uh, where your daily 
work is at KSL Sports. Matt Zemek, who is on there of the Trojan Wire, and I want to quote him on this because I thought this was interesting coming from a Trojan beat writer. Mm-hmm. Um, quote, the Trojans are soft. They were soft on defense the past several weeks. This past weekend was an offensive line that was especially soft. This is a soft team, and is it's a soft program. I don't think you could sum it up much better than that. Yeah. I don't think you yeah. can. I think that, and that's probably why when it comes to the Pac-12 championship conversation, like USC is not a favorite to me in my mind anymore when it comes to right. that. This is yeah. an Oregon's, Oregon Washington conversation for the Pac-12 conference championship now. Like that's where this conversation lies. USC um just they're flashy and they're fun and they're exciting at times, but darn it, do they collapse and crumble under situations where a really great teams shouldn't. Yeah. Not what you can do if you want to be a contender. Uh for the Utes though, a really good win. Uh it was formally announced after the game, as we've suspected all year, Cam Rising out for the season. So there's no hope of that starting quarterback coming back. They are moving with right. Bryson Barnes moving forward. And we'll see now that every team knows that this kid is the guy, is the starter, how effective they can be. I'm not necessarily super bullish on Utah moving forward, uh, especially because they also have an extremely tough schedule. They do host Oregon. They have to go to Seattle to play at Washington. They still have Arizona and Colorado on the schedule. So uh, a very good win for Utah. One of the signature wins for Kyle Whittingham, he said it was a top five win for him in his career, but I don't think it'll be much. Uh, it'll mean much for them in the long run just because, again, a lot of tough tests coming up. And uh, you already have one loss for them on the road at Oregon State. So, uh, yeah, Pac-12, it's, uh, it is a uh, meat grinder of a conference. It's incredible. Just like you and many others have said, they will cannibalize themselves. Like Utah, yes. as great as they are, they're probably still going to lose three games this year. Like yeah. it's, it's just it's just the way the Pac-12 is built. Um, but nonetheless, a a hyper competitive conference hyper oh yeah yeah absolutely uh mitch let's go to the big 10 real quick and the biggest game of last week ohio state hosting the nittany lions of penn state and uh ohio state gets it done in close fashion yet again 20 to 12 in this one ohio state improves to 7 and 0 gets their signature win on the season and uh, frankly, they're not going to have many other opportunities for signature wins this season. This is, uh, this is it other than the Michigan game to wrap up the season. They beat Notre Dame right in that slug fest of a game, uh, sort of a similar sort of game here in Penn state. I thought they pretty much handled Penn state in this one. They were in control for the vast majority of this game. And that Ohio state's defense was particularly impressive in this one. Uh, and then, yeah, Ohio State will have a fi- regular season finale matchup on the road uh, in Ann Arbor against the Wolverines. And that's those are the three games that matter really for uh, Ohio State, frankly, this year. They obviously, you know, you got to take care of business in conference. But this was a much important win for them if they wanted to make their case for uh, the playoff. So big win for the Buckeyes. Yeah, big, big win for the Buckeyes. But, um, you know, is Penn State was Penn State the most overrated top ten team that we had coming into this week? Oh I, yeah. I mean, it just there Always. was nothing really. There was nothing super spectacular about this team. They they won games that they should have, but 
and they're Penn State, so obviously they're going to get the voters. Mm-hmm. They're going to get the voters, you know, catch their eye, and it's the shiny new thing. You know, it's the shiny thing in the window, and of course, people are going to vote for Penn State. But like Drew Aller was terrible, eighteen for forty-two. Yeah, one ninety-one. I mean, I think the kid's talented, but I don't. think He was that... harassed that game. It was. I, and Penn yeah, State is I a mean, good O line. Olu Fashinu was handled that day by JT Tuamalu. Uh, the yeah. defense, the the edge from Ohio State, and that was surprising for me to watch because obviously we love Olu Fashanu, uh, the right. tackle from Penn State. He's my favorite tackle in this draft class, but he was taken to to the yard uh, in this game by that Ohio State defensive line. And uh, yeah, again, it just proved that Penn State not at that level at all. No, they're not. They're not anywhere near what that top ten. Um, yep. as far as competition wise goes. So um, a good win for Ohio state, but I think that this, this win might not, if once Penn state starts to show their true colors, Penn, this win over Penn state may not say, hold the same value as far as a signature win. Yep. I mean, like it's still going to be a signature win, but I don't know if it's going to hold the same weight three, four weeks down the road when we really see what Penn state actually is. Yeah, fair enough. You never know how this shakes out. I will say, uh, the Big Ten's pretty easy to handle. So Penn State will probably end up with like only one or two losses this season just because they still play nobody else in that dang conference other than the top teams uh, that are competitive. So uh, unfortunately, they'll probably still end up overinflated at the end of the season. But uh, we shall see. It certainly felt like they got exposed uh, against the Buckeyes. Yeah, and and moving on to the Big 12 down and talking about teams that maybe might be a little bit on the overrated side, Texas and Oklahoma survived close calls um, in their games. They get uh, Oklahoma gets it done over UCF 31-29, Texas over Houston 31-24. Oklahoma playing catch-up a lot in that game. Um, of course, we love Dylan Gabriel on this show, but darn it, this Oklahoma team look to struggle against a UCF team. That's really not that good. Yeah, it's, it's tough. I, you know, I was so high on UCF during this uh, coming into this year. I thought of the big 12 newcomers, they would be the most competitive and they could even challenge to win the conference. Uh, Clearly I was mistaken on that one, Uh, but they showed a lot of fight here on the road in Norman and uh, gave Oklahoma a run for their money and shout out to both these big 12 newcomers in UCF and Houston giving these legacy members, the ones that are departing to the SEC, a test in their one matchup that they're going to get against these guys. Uh, so you love to see that. Uh, I really thought UCF was going to pull this thing off. Uh, I did too, but yeah. Oklahoma did enough. Dylan Gabriel did enough. That offense, they have the talent. But it just goes to show, I think, for both of these teams that, yes, there is, they're at the top of that conference, and there's a very clear gap. And it's very muddled in the middle there for the rest of the Big 12 as far as who's actually good, who's not, who can beat who on every given week. But it just goes to show that in this conference, they can't overlook every game because even Houston, even UCF, uh, you know, is going to give them a run for their money. And especially the fact that this is the last year for those teams. uh, There's nothing that any team in this conference wants more this season, Mitch, than to beat Texas and Oklahoma on the way out. Oh, yeah. Thanks. See ya. Goodbye. Thanks for the W. Never come back. You know, and so there's extra motivation every week. Texas, Oklahoma, got to stay focused week in and week out. Can't overlook anyone or one of these close games might end up as an L. Yeah. I mean, who who doesn't want to beat Oklahoma and Texas and go like, hey, good luck. 
You're going to win seven games next year in the SEC. Have a fun time. We'll <laughs> exactly. see. You, we'll, we'll see you later. Good luck I mean, getting the bowl eligibility. Yeah, I mean, it, it, they, they would love nothing more. And you're absolutely yeah. right. But um, I, I, I think that, you know, them pulling this off just definitely helps their continued playoff hopes uh, moving forward. Um, Oklahoma is still a, a playoff contender. Texas is still a playoff contender. Um, but it is concerning to see these close games against unranked opponents, you know, almost go almost swing in the wrong direction, especially for Oklahoma. I mean, UCF damn near pulled that one off. Yeah. I mean, that was that was exceptional. I think the hit that, that played down inside the red zone at the end mm-hmm. of the game that almost blew it for two Oklahoma. point conversion. There was a two point conversion. If UCF yep. hits it, they tied it, they go to overtime. UCF missed the two point, and that was it. That I mean, it's one play from going to overtime, and then who knows? And then you go to you sudden know? death, and yeah, who yeah. knows what how so, those plays from the 25 go? So exactly, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, that's why, that's why you love college football. It's exciting every week, Mitch. Absolutely. A uh, couple games in the ACC we want to mention. Uh, first one, the biggest upset of the week, Virginia with a top 10 upset. Yes, uh, the Wahoos. Yes, they had one win coming into this game. It does not matter. 31-27 over the Tar Heels. Huge win for Virginia in this one to knock off number 10 North Carolina. Uh, and then Florida State getting it done against Duke, 38-20. to 20. Riley Leonard did play in this game. The Duke quarterback was banged up, not fully 100%. Uh, and, you know, you saw him come out, come in. Uh, not an ideal situation for Duke, but Florida State survives one of their few tests in conference play in the ACC, furthers their case for the uh, college football playoff. But, uh, Mitch, what about that upset? I mean... Talk about not seeing that coming. <laughs> no, I didn't. I did not see that one coming. I thought UNC would handle Virginia handily, I guess it was is the I'd best. Put way a I lot of money have. on it. I would have put but, a lot of know. money on it. Um but yeah, I mean the fact that Virginia was even keeping that close throughout the entire game was was shocking to me. And then they put wound up pulling it out. I, I as much as I want to put that on the UNC roster, I think this falls on Mac Brown a little bit. And looking back to his days at Texas, I could be mistaken, but I feel like even when Mac Brown was at Texas, like there was always an upset that Texas sh- like shouldn't have. But well, I'd have to go back and look. But I feel like this is a common theme with Mac Brown led teams. Like they they just lose games that they shouldn't, and it's like one a year. Yeah, and. UNC lost a game this week that they should not have lost to Virginia. The Cavaliers, I mean, a one-win team coming into this week. Um, absolutely a, a massive upset for UNC. This is definitely going to hurt them in the polls, um, and, it, and it has. It has hurt them in the polls a lot, and if you were talking about maybe UNC being a, a dark horse uh, college football playoff team, that's completely yeah. out the window now. I mean, there's no there's no way they're getting in now. Um, yeah, it's, it's just, it's a, it's a sad sight to see because you want to see the Tar Heels do good, especially on the football side of things. Um, and they just seem to really choke when push comes to shove in these very winnable situations. Yeah. You know, obviously they'll still be able to contend in the ACC and and potentially for the ACC title, but yeah, I mean, you can't have a loss like this on your resume and expect to, uh, have good consideration at the end of the season uh, no. as far as the playoff goes. So, yeah, tough one for UNC. Um, and 
big win for Virginia. Much needed for Tony Huge Elliott win. and his squad. They were having an awful season. So even if the even if you win four games, you can rest assured we got a top ten upset. And uh, damn it, that felt good. And you know what? That's <laughs> that's big for a program that struggles recently. Yeah, that has struggled over the last twenty years. A top, you know, a top twenty-five upset is huge. Um, yeah. You mentioned the Florida State Duke game. Just very quickly, I mean, it what I thought was going to happen happened. I mean, FSU yeah. is clearly a playoff team in my mind. Um, one of the top four teams in the country, um, and they got it done against a really good Duke team. And when you can handle a good Duke team like that pretty you know pretty easily i mean you just continue to make a stronger and stronger case for yourself as far as why you should be in the college football playoffs yeah and not many tests left for the uh seminoles three weeks from now they are hosting miami uh and then season finale on the road in the swamp against the florida gators and that's about as challenging of games that the that Florida state has left before the ACC championship game. So they look well on their way after having taken care of the blue doubles here. Uh, they look well on their way to the ACC championship game, probably a 12 and 0 record and uh, a very strong case to make the college football playoff. Yeah. A very strong case. Um, now we've covered the PAC 12, the big 10, the big 12, the ACC, but you know what power five conference we haven't covered is mm -hmm. one that we usually cover. But there's just not really accentuating news about them this week. A lot of things just happened that we expected to happen. That's the SEC. So let's supplement oh. a little SEC news here. It's not really news, but let's talk a little SEC with our college football trivia question of the week presented by absolutely nobody. So if you if you'd like to sponsor this segment, please get at <laughs> us at the Sports Hour Guys on Instagram or on X, formerly known as Twitter. Um, we would love for you to be a sponsor of this segment. College football trivia question of the week. Dallin, are you ready? I am. All right. In 1999, the least productive offense in BCS, mm -hmm. BCS history was mm -hmm. the South Carolina Gamecocks, who averaged 7.9 points per game. Wow. This team finished 0-11 and was led by this college football coaching legend. Huh. Huh. Is this, I don't know. Uh, I don't think this era is right. I don't feel hundred percent confidence. I'm going to say Steve Spurrier. Uh, no, a little before Steve Spurrier. Yeah. That's what I'll, I give thought. You, I'll give you one more. And would you I like a hint? I don't. Oh, sure. Okay. Okay. Um, damn, I didn't have a hint prepared, but I want you to get this one right. <laughs> That's um, okay. I don't really have another name, so you can okay. give it, you can give it well, to Well, this, I think often forgotten, um, that this coach had a short stint, I think, I think a, a two-year or three-year stint at the, at South Carolina. This is Lou Holtz. Wow. Lou, Lou Holtz, Holtz had a short stint at wow. South Carolina, I think maybe two or three years. Um, yeah. But his first year in 1999 at the program, he produced one of the worst off the worst offense on a point per games basis in BCS history. So BCS being the old bowl system, yeah, um, in in history, 0 and 11, 7.9 points per game. Wow, that is pretty bad. Uh, very bad, very bad. But I, I, I was looking these things up, and I was shocked to see that Lou Holtz was the head of that football team because you don't expect that from a guy 
um, as prestigious and as successful as Lou Holtz. You don't expect that. So um, yeah, there is not the, uh, not the crowd. You'd think he'd be, uh, he'd be hanging around, I guess it's no. South Carolina in the sec, but uh, and yeah. that just seems like a weird fit. South Carolina. And Lou yeah. Holtz. You no know? wonder they went 0-11. Uh, yeah, that was exactly. never bound to work out. Mitch, uh, AP poll reaction time. Well, just a little preview of where the latest of the top 25 sit. The top six remained the same. No changes in the top six. Uh, uh, just slight changes in the rest of the top 10. Alabama rejoins the top 10 at number nine. Uh, Penn State falls three spots after their loss to number 10. Uh so only team to fall out of the top 10 being North Carolina uh, after their upset loss. In fact, they fell seven spots. USC after their up loss, upset loss fell six spots. Uh, biggest movers, LSU, Missouri, up to 15 and 16, respectively. A couple SEC teams uh, making some big moves up there. That helps the resumes of the Georgias and Alabamas if they can get wins over those teams. So that's good to see for you, potentially. Uh, and then. Uh, one team out. Oh, Iowa drops out of the rankings after their controversial loss. And uh, James Madison joining top 25. So now a couple G5 teams. You've got Air Force all the way up at 19 now out of the Mountain West. Tulane at 22 out of the American Athletic Conference. And then James Madison out of the Sun Belt. Mitch, three G5 squads. Love to see it. I, you love to see it. And I watched that Air Force Navy game um, this last oh, week. Yeah. And, I'll, and I'll tell you what. I really like this Air Force team. I think they're really, really fun. Um, yeah, they're good. And they're they're hard-nosed. I mean, they're exceptionally hard-nosed. I love watching that team play. Um, they're old school, and they're, they're just a ton of fun, ton of fun. And shout-out to James Madison, a, a team that was not a group of five, or that was not a a Division One team just a couple of years ago. An FBS, now, yeah. They now are making their second appearance in the top 25 just in their only two years in the FCS. I mean, what what a run for James Madison. Um, we, we knew yeah. they were a really good FCS team. They had the potential to be successful in the, uh, excuse me, successful FBS team. We knew they had potential to be successful SCS team. And they just can, are continuing to show this in their very short run over the last two years. So congratulations, James Madison, getting back in. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And still not eligible for the conference championship because the NCAA is dumb. And if you transfer up, you cannot be eligible for the first two years. Why? Um, if you're better than everybody else, why the hell would you not be able to be the conference champion? Uh, because the NCAA sucks. Uh, who doesn't suck? Michael. Hello, Michael. Thanks for joining. It's good to see thank you. Thank God we got you, Mike. I was waiting for you. Uh, we, Glad we, to have we you. Our guy, Mike, being on the show. Thanks for tuning in again once again, buddy. We got um, NFL coming up in the back half. We're rolling through the campus tour. I know you're an NFL kind of guy, Michael, so stick with us. Uh, we're getting there, but a lot of campus tour we got to get through. We're going to make a college football fan out of you yet, Michael. I'll tell you that. Yes. Maybe, maybe <laughs> we have Michael on the show. And we do a college football matchmaker for him like you did with me. And we find out, you know, hey. where he's going to be. Maybe if you're looking for a team to root for and you don't know who uh, Michael and you're open to it, uh, we've done the college football matchmaker before with Mitch and uh, it's worked out pretty successfully. Yeah, except we haven't won a national title since. So uh, well, we'll, yeah. <laughs> everything I touch dies. All right. <laughs> um, Dallin, that, that's our AP poll reaction. Um, let's get into our MVP of the weeks. 
or MVPs of the week. Excuse me. Not multiple weeks. One week. MVPs of the week. Dallin, I'll let you start off because um, you actually picked a guy that I was really excited about. was going to pick him, <laughs> and you beat me to the punch. So let's talk about our guy that really uh, is your guy that we were both really excited about had a great week this week. Yeah, it is our guy, uh, and rightfully so, because this guy has had uh, a hell of a couple games, honestly, and uh, a hell of a game this week against uh, USC, but Utah safety, Sione Vaki, uh, the MVP for me this week. And I say safety because, yes, folks, uh, he is a safety and despite the fact that he's a safety, he is also playing on the offense. Yeah, it's not just Travis Hunter this year. It's Sione Vaki. They moved him over to running back two weeks ago uh, because of uh, some of the injuries that they'd had. Uh, he continues to play snaps on defense, but also has been getting snaps on uh, on offense. Uh, I had his full stats up, and then now I can't get... Uh, his game stats for this last week. So give me just a second to get that. Yeah, I mean, uh, while you're looking those up, Sione Vake had, by the way, safeties in guys named Sione in the state of Utah. Seems like yeah. a really good thing because we had Sione Taki Taki that went to BYU, yeah. correct? And was an absolute stud. Um, but he had a move this week in that USC game on that screen pass. Yes. That absolutely blew my... I, I, I squealed a little bit because he just put that. I can't even remember who the defender was. Put him on skates. I mean, yeah. this guy has got some serious moves and maybe he's found his true calling uh, being that kind of receiving uh, type back in that Utah. Offense. Yeah. Yeah. They're definitely going to use him more and more as he's proven to be effective. Nine carries, 68 yards on the ground last week, five receptions for 149 yards and two touchdowns. Uh, and again, uh, also played on defense, added two tackles on defense. So uh, this kid is a stud. Uh, he did it the week prior against Cal, and uh, they really uh, amped it up against USC. Expect to see even more out of him. So Sione Vaki, shout out to you, MVP of the week. I mean, switching positions, it's pre it's impressive what he did against Cal. It's even more impressive what he did against USC. Yeah, I mean, that it was just an outstanding week for uh, Sione Vaki of the Utah Utes down my MVP of the week. We're going to stay in the running back position. I'm going to go with Ollie Gordon, the mm. second out of OK State, 29 carries, 282 yards, and four touchdowns in the win over West Virginia. West Virginia, not a slouch of a team. No. Not a slouch of a team. I mean, they're very, they're one of those kind of sneaky competitive teams that are going to be one of those unranked guys that can spoil a lot of seasons. Gets it done in big fashion. And I love the yardage and the yards per carry and the touchdowns. That's all great. But he did it while being a workhorse. I mean, this guy carried the ball a ton. Um, he was instrumental in that OK State win over West Virginia. Shout out to Ollie Gordon the second, uh, my MVP of the week. Yeah, and he's had a couple big games this season. So uh, this is not just a one-off performance for this guy. He, he is legit. He's a legit running back in the Big 12 and a big performance against West Virginia. And uh, yeah, uh, my BYU Cougars play Oklahoma State final game of the year. And uh, he's that one guy. I just keep looking at that matchup and I keep thinking about Ollie Gordon and just him thrashing the defense. So, uh, yeah, he's he's that type of player you're scouting. That It's like, what are we doing with him next? You week? circle so, his number and yeah. you keep an eye on him every single play. Yep. Absolutely. absolutely. 
Mitch, upset of the week. Uh, we already talked about the game. This was a no-brainer. Virginia's upset over number 10 UNC. Uh, the Tar Heels were favored minus 24 points in this game. So, uh, yeah, top 10 matchup, top 10 upset, 24-point underdogs. Incredible. Yeah, I mean, if you're betting on this game, you're you're absolutely infuriated. Yeah. Um, Down way bad. Actually, I don't even know if I'd be mad. I don't even know if I'd be mad because it wasn't like they didn't cover like in a close <laughs> fashion. They just blew the line out of the water and wound up winning the game anyway. But um, yeah, huge win, huge win for Virginia. Like we've already talked about. Um, let's get into our Heisman's watch down because we've been uh, updating this list every single week. Um, our week eight Heisman watch. We have some changes. Michael Penix Jr. Going to the top of the list. As our top Heisman favorite, followed by Dylan Gabriel, who's going to move up to number two. Um, Caleb Williams sliding down to number three. Bo Nix at number four. And Jalen Daniels at number five. Um, It's hard to argue why Michael Penix should not be at the top of this list. It's really hard to argue why he shouldn't be. Um, They're a a college football playoff favorite right now. He's putting up um, numbers that are that you would expect to see out of a prolific pass offense quarterback in a college football playoff team. Um, everything is just pointing in Michael Penix's direction as to why he should be at the top of this list. Um, and I think you'd be hard pressed to make an argument why he shouldn't right now. Yeah. Not to me uh, because yeah, I'm firmly in the belief that he should be the favorite, uh, one of the best teams in the country. And he has the best win of the season. The win over Oregon was the best win of the season. Yeah, frankly, um, I, there's been some really good wins, but he has the best one. And I think that 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 matters. And I think same for Dylan Gabriel at number two, you know, the win over Texas, that signature moment. They're undefeated. It's hard to put guys that have losses that didn't, you know, capture that big moment ahead of some of these players that are undefeated and proving game in and game out why they're that that dog. Right. And Penix and Gabriel, I think, are the top of the list. So I like that we have them at the top two. After that, I think you can make arguments on some of those other players, you know, who have won two losses. Uh, But uh, yeah, I like those guys at the top. I'm glad we have them one, two. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Love that Heisman watch list that we have this week. And that that, that list is fluid. Like Stephen A says, the list is fluid. Yeah, it's fluid. It'll always change. We update it every week. If Washington gets upset this week and Penix throws four picks, well, then we'll talk about it. And, and we'll, we have, we'll have, have a discussion. Change. That's, That's exactly it. Dallin, games to watch this week. Let's get yes, into sir. our college football picks. And I'll tell you what, big weeks for both of us this last week. Yeah. Big weeks really for most weeks. of us. Um, you started off red hot. I've gotten, I have drawn it back to kind of where the season started, right? You kind of wound up with the big lead. You gapped it a little bit. I drew it back in. I got, I gained a point on you this week. Yeah. I'm at 15, six points last week down. You had five points last week. I think we both nailed our locks. Yeah. In we this did. one. Um, I'm at 15. You're at 21. Um, and looking at this slate of games down that we're going to go down really quick. Um, unranked opponents against top ranked teams with maybe some potentials for upsets. And that's yeah. what makes this slate so interesting that we're going to go through right now. Yeah, we're going to have a couple ranked matchups, but then three top six teams that will travel on the road for a conference game this week with double-digit, you know, two touchdown 
favorites uh, on the road. And that just screams to me like one of those teams ain't surviving. You know, like one of them isn't getting out of there alive. And uh, so we'll see who who picks an upset. Are we are we bold enough to pick the upset or not? Uh, we'll find out. We'll see. We'll see. <laughs> I'm, I'm excited about these picks. Yeah. Let's get into it, Dallin. Number 20, Duke, five and two. Number 20, Duke. They're going to head over and take on number 18, Louisville, six and one. Yeah. Louisville right now favored minus four at home. This Louisville team, a team you were really high on down coming into the year. They have lived up to the hype that you've expected for them. Um, you know, this is a this is a this is a line where I feel comfortable taking the upset. Um, but I think that Louisville gets the job done, gets the win at home. I'm gonna take no. Louisville's got to lose two games somewhere down the line. Mm. Louisville's got to lose two games. This is not a one-loss team. Give me Duke. Give me Duke on the road against Louisville. I'm going to take Duke on the road. He pivots. He goes with the Blue Devils in the ACC matchup. By the way, we have a matchup from every Power 5 conference this week. Love to see that. Oh, love to see it. Worked out like that, but... uh, I like that pick. This is a good game. This would be a good game. Riley Leonard's health is just the one thing I think about in this game. If he's healthy, he's he's fully in this. Doesn't mean that they don't have a shot. You feel much more confident if you know you got him at full strength. I feel like I would pick Duke. But yes, I may have cursed Louisville after crowning them this year's TCU, and then they immediately get upset by Pitt. Uh, Not good by me. I apologize to the Cardinals fans out there. But uh, the hope is not lost. And I say Louisville not only gets it done, but I'm locking him at minus four. Okay. Give me Louisville locked minus four at home. So, okay, hold on. So if Riley Leonard plays this week, because he's he's been playing through some injuries. Right. He's, and he was in and out of the Duke-Florida State game. Right. You know, let's he'll probably see some action this week. Let's say that Riley Leonard's at 80%. Mm-hmm. He's still taking Louisville? I think so. If he's at 90%, are you still taking Louisville? I'd say it's probably more of a toss-up at that point. And okay. if he's fully healthy, I think it's a favored, you know, a Duke minus one on the road sort of, you I know, just wanted, yeah, maybe I minus to, two. I just kind of yeah. wanted a heat check yeah. on that a little bit. Right. So, yeah. Okay. Love that. Yeah. I think love it's that. a good game. I think it's a close game, but uh, oh, yeah. for sure. Yeah. I'll take definitely. Louisville. I love it. Game. I love it. Big, big 12, Mitch, big 12 up next. Number six, Oklahoma. They survived against the UCF seven and oh, but they've got a test. Uh, in Lawrence at Kansas, five and two on the season. Uh, will J- Will Jalen Daniels be available? I think that's a huge factor in this game. Jason Bean is a capable backup, one of the best backups in the country, but he's not Jalen Daniels, the preseason Big 12 player of the year. So uh, that's going to be huge. Does Kansas have their quarterback in this game? If Jalen Daniels plays, and I said this against Texas, but he didn't play against Texas, but if he plays in this game, Kansas has a chance. And I believe that if he plays, Kansas will upset Oklahoma, but I don't feel confident that he plays and we're recording this live on a Tuesday night. So I am going to go boomer sooner on this one and I will take Oklahoma uh, in a close game. But again, if Jalen Daniels is available for this game, I think on the, you know, at home, Kansas is going to give them a run for their money. Yeah. This is a tempting one to lock, to be honest with you. Yeah. But, I'm not going to do it. I'm, I am going to take Oklahoma. Okay. 
Um, I think we just mentioned him. Dylan Gabriel has been fantastic. I think with the loss, with the uncertainty of Jalen Daniels, this definitely puts the, the, this shifts the favor to Oklahoma in a pretty heavy way. And so I think Oklahoma on the road in Lawrence, I think this makes a lot of sense to take, uh, take the Sooners here. So I'm going to go with uh, Oklahoma in this one. Dallin, the number one ranked Georgia Bulldogs. They're going to the swamp and they're taking on the Florida Gators right now. Georgia favorite at minus 14 and a half. This is one of those big double digit top ranked opponent matchups that look. I am fully confident. This is going to be a one score game. Mm. If I was betting this for real, I'm taking Florida plus 14 and a half. Hmm. I don't know if this is this is not the same Georgia team of the last two years. It's just not. And I for that reason, I would take Florida plus 14 and a half. But we're picking winners here. So I have to take Georgia in this one. But do not be surprised if Florida covers the spread and winds up you know, winning a lot of people, a lot of money in this one. So if you're in a gambling state, a legal gambling state, please legal gambling responsibly. <laughs> Maybe think about taking Florida plus 14 and a half, but for winner's sake, I'm taking Georgia. Yeah. I'm going to go with the Bulldogs as well. And yeah, I do think this is probably not a two touchdown win. Uh, you know, Georgia's looked good in some of their conference games. They handled Kentucky and that was impressive, but they also, you know, struggled against Auburn. Uh, you know, didn't look great against South Carolina. So I, I don't think this is an unflappable Georgia team. Now is Florida the team that's up for, uh, you know, up for the challenge? I guess that's my only question. Uh, I don't, I'm not convinced on the Gators. Uh, in Georgia, after this week, uh, number 16, Missouri, number 12, Ole Miss at number 21, Tennessee. So uh, even if they survive this week, it's not going to get much easier for Georgia, and we will see at least some decent tests for them down the stretch of this uh, SEC play. But I'm going to go Georgia in this one uh, on the road. F- uh, following that, Mitch, Big Ten matchup, number three, Ohio State, coming off the big win against Penn State. We'll uh, head up to Camp Randall to take on Wisconsin. Five and two, the Badgers. Luke Fickle, first season up there. Ohio State favored minus 14 and a half in this one. On the road, just like Georgia. And unlike Georgia, Mitch, I think this is where the upset comes. I think Ohio State is riding high on getting it done last week and probably looking ahead at that Michigan matchup to wrap up the season thinking, okay, we're good. We just, you know, kind of coast from here and then we take care of the Wolverines and we'll be all right. Not so fast. Luke Fickle has this Wisconsin team showing a lot of heart. Backup quarterback, no Tanner Mordecai, but Braden Locke last week. They had a gutsy win against Illinois in comeback fashion. Big fourth quarter. They're riding high. A lot of momentum right now for the Badgers. They're going to be at home. That's not an easy place to play. They're going to be playing jump around between the third and fourth quarter, and the Buckeyes will be shook. Give me Wisconsin in the upset. Ohio State has struggled against good defenses all out the year. I like Kyle McCord. I don't like him that much. Mm. I'm taking Wisconsin in this one. Let's go. Give me the lock. Wisconsin to cover the spread. They, 
absolutely devastate Buckeye Nation by covering the spread here. Wisconsin in the lock over Ohio State. I yeah. love this win for the Badgers in Madison. Give me the Badgers. Mitch locking the upset. I love it. We don't do that very often. You know, it, it, it has to has double to feel right. upset. I feel I ballsy like this. about this. I, I am so convicted by this pick. I love this pick. I love it. Love it. Let's go. Love it. Dallin. Now let's get into the last conference. We haven't covered yet. That's the PAC 12 number eight, Oregon six and one, the ducks. They're headed over. To number 13, Utah. Oregon right now favored at minus six and a half. The Ducks, very prolific offensively. We know what they can do offensively. Utah, I mean, this is a, this is a clash of titans on opposite sides of the football. Utah, very stout defensively. The Ducks, very, very explosive offensively. Can an immovable object take on an impenetrable force? This is what this is going to look like. I like the Ducks in this one. I think it's a close game. I think we're talking about maybe a, a 37-31 ball game. I think it's a tight one. Um, but give me the Ducks in, in this matchup. Yeah, big game, biggest game of the week. College game day will be here in El Lago Salado. For their, uh, for their shows, it's a, it's a big week in Salt Lake City. There's a lot of hype. I spent $500 of promotional budget on tickets to give away this week for this game because it's a big freaking game here. It's massive. Uh, for Utah, it's the last time these two teams will play as conference mates, obviously, as the Pac-12 goes away. So, uh, yeah, it's a very fun matchup. Very excited for this. Uh, but, Mitch, there's been a trend this year, uh, and uh, I'm starting to catch on. Uh, you know, I keep picking against the Utes. And then you every time yeah. I pick against them... They just end up winning. And, you know, fool me once, shame on you. But fool me twice, shame on me. And, Mitch, the shame is on me for picking against Utah. No more will I make this mistake. I'm taking Utah this weekend. I'm taking, give me Bryson Barnes, the pig farmer. Give me the Utes. Nobody expects them in the big Pac-12. Everyone looks over them at everybody else in the conference. Who's the real conference champs? Oh, yeah, Utah, back-to-back Pac-12 champs. They're going to get it done at home. Bryce Eccles, not an easy place to play. I like Utah on this one, but... I like that. I like that a lot. This could be a great game. Yeah. This could be a great game. Cannot wait. Fantastic. Love, love, love that game. Dallin, that is our picks. And, guys, make sure you're following along with us on these picks and make sure who's winning, who's losing this. Who's winning? Who's losing this week? We'd love for you to follow along in our college football picks. But Dallin, as for right now, let's take a little break. We've gone through the campus tour. Let's take a little break. And when we come back, we're going to have a little fun little game, a little immaculate grid. Uh, Something we like to do here on the Sports Hour to get the juices flowing. Um, Before we get into our NFL Week 7 recap and we got our quick picks to round out the show. You're not going to want to miss the second half, so make sure you stick around, and we'll be right back.
Welcome back into the second half of the Sports Hour with Mitch Bone Down. Thanks for sticking with us through the break. Great college football content, Dallin, that we just went through. Lots and lots of exciting stuff to get excited about in the world of college football this week. But it is time we move on, Dallin, to some NFL. The the NFL world. The NFL world yes. is where we're, where we're headed. But we're going to have a little fun before we do that. Let's uh let's get the juices flowing and do a little immaculate grid. A little immaculate grid, something we love to do here on the show. Um, and if you don't know what an immaculate grid is, we'll explain it to you really quick. Dallin, do you want to give them the rundown of what we're looking at here? Absolutely. We've done this a couple times on the podcast, but, uh, we've got a grid nine spaces and we've got to fill it in with, uh, NFL players. What we're looking for. So, uh, you've got teams, usually a statistic that we've got to match those up with. Uh, and this week. Uh, this is what we've got on the uh, top axis. We have from left to right the New England Patriots, the Carolina Panthers, and a 1,000-yard receiving season. And uh, going down uh, the other way from top to bottom, the San Francisco 49ers, Minnesota Vikings, and Tampa Bay Buccaneers. So Whew. I feel good about this combination of teams. I definitely I feel like Panthers, Niners, uh, even Patriots. I feel pretty confident in those teams. So I feel like we should have some good luck here. Yes, I think I think we got ourselves set up pretty good for this one. I, I'm feeling a nine for nine, Dallin. I'm feeling yeah. a nine for nine. Hell I mean, yeah. Time will tell. So let's uh, do we want to start where we usually start, which is usually tackling the statistic or do we want to go with the team combinations mm. here? Let's go with the statistic first. OK, let's go with the stat first. Okay. So we have a thousand yard receiving season and we've got a, we've got to pair that up with a player who played for the San Francisco night 49ers, the Minnesota Vikings and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Okay. So I don't know if he was a thousand yard receiver, but one of the obscure, because so for people that don't know, the lower the percentage or the more obscure, the player, the better the score you get. Yes. So we want to think a little bit deeper here. Um, and when it I comes get to it San- right, but we want to get be, it right, you know. Yeah, yeah. we want to get it right, but we want to be as as obscure as possible. Yeah. Um. So for me, down for the San Francisco 49ers, the first name that comes to mind as like an obscure guy that might have mm-hmm. a thousand yards was JJ Stokes. Ooh, holy smokes! That's I amazing. don't know if he had a thousand yards though. Anymore. Yeah. I don't know. The one name I thought of, and now I'm second guessing. Cause I know he sure, for sure played for Denver was Brandon Lloyd. Oh, he for sure played for San Francisco and he had a thousand yards, right? He had to have, I, I had, he, I'm cool with Brandon Lloyd. If you want to go for it. I feel like that's a pretty good one. Okay. Yeah. Right. Yeah. All right. Let's try it. Oh my God. No. All right. No. Well, Okay. Um, starting off well, strong. Let's do a more a name we know. How about like Crabtree, Michael Crabtree, Michael Crabtree. He'll be on there. Eight percent. It's not bad for Michael Crabtree. Okay. So okay. We're, we're gonna miss. We're not gonna guess we'll miss one, one but that's names. okay. Yeah. We'll we'll uh we'll, let's go to the Vikings thousand yard receiver. Um. Who? So like, you know, Randy Moss, Chris Carter. Those names sure. come to mind. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Uh Sydney Rice. Per- what a- Percy Harvin. That's a- oh, I like Sydney. 
Sidney Rice had to have a thousand yards, right? He had to have. I'm, I mean, we've already missed, so yeah, four percent. Let's go. Okay, That's there good we go. One. All right, cool. Good one. Okay, and then Tampa Bay. We need a Tampa Bay wide receiver. Huh. So Keyshawn Johnson was there. I'm trying to think of like that oh, yeah. Super Bowl team. I love Keyshawn. Can we just do Keyshawn? Yeah, yeah, we can do Keyshawn. One of my favorites. One of my favorites. Five percenter. That's okay, a good one. Cool. All right. All right. Uh, Mitch, we've got a column that we're looking for three Panthers players, and I feel like we should go there because I I think feel you like could I could definitely this. do that. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. So we've got a pair of Panthers player with a Niner Viking and a Buck. Um, trying to think. Well, Adam Thielen would pair with the Panthers and the Vikings. He would. He would. Christian McCaffrey would also pair Niners and uh, Panthers. Trying to think of a little. I'm trying to think if I can get a little. Call anyone there. a little more. Yeah, a little more off the. Uh, there was a quarterback. Vikings and Panthers. Mm. Oh, Burline? Steve Burline? Steve Burline. Yeah. No, what? No, he had to have played for the Vikings. Right. I swear he did. Wow. That was a miss. That was an L for us. We missed wow. that one. Okay. Steve Burline did not really. I thought that was for sure. I thought you were right. Um, I want to say Devin Funches also played for them, but we're gonna go out and feel in. Yeah. We'll go out and feeling. I'm gonna plug in McCaffrey. Yeah, that's kind of the, the easy one. We know that's there for the Niners. Yeah, Bucks and Panthers. <sighs> Trying to think who in more uh, recent memory. Bucks and Panthers. Um, what about who did Ted Ginn pay, play for? I don't think he ever played. He, he, he would have been a Niner and Panther. He would have been. Yeah, he would have yeah. been. Yeah, it's true. Um, I don't think he ever played for the Bucks. I don't think so. Um, Jericho Cotchery. Do you remember who he played for? That's another I feel like wide receiver. Like, I feel like he played for like 12 different teams. Like, <laughs> right. You're probably pretty safe <laughs> yeah. betting that, you know, yeah. taking that, but. We've got two guesses left. Is there any of these other squares that we have out here, Mitch? That, what about that like you Bernard? Know you can... I, I know he was a bear, but I also know that he was a panther. Uh-huh. I'm pretty sure. What about oh, Moose and Muhammad? Oh, yeah, Moose. I don't know. I don't think he ever played for Tampa because he, he didn't play have... very many places. Or Bernard Barian. I don't Ooh, think he. Ever, I... I don't think he played for Carolina, though. I don't know about that. Yeah. Um, okay. I've got, we're going to fill this out. Cause I want to get some points on the board. We're going to go Jimmy. Can we go Jimmy Garoppolo? Yeah. For the was, Niners and yeah. the Patriots 64% there. And we got one more guess. So where do we, who, who, where can we plug it in? Um, I mean, Vikings have passed would be the easy one with Randy Moss, but, um, Oh yeah. But that's, that's too, let's challenge ourselves just a hair. Yeah. Here. Yeah. 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 Um, bucks and Pats, I feel like is a little bit challenging. Gronk, Tom Brady. Well, I guess that's fucking easy. Never mind. <laughs> um, uh, Fournette didn't about, have a stint in uh, New England, did he? Fournette or Blunt? Garrett Blunt? Oh, maybe that. I'm down to go for it. 
I don't remember if he played. He did. He did. Uh, yeah. That's a four percenter. All right. Okay. There we go. Okay. Well, listen, that was our worst performance in the Immaculate Grid. We missed that two, but bad. that's it's okay. Are we trending down? Maybe, but you know, what can you do? You know what, though? Like we put ourselves out there we for the challenge. Seven, we you were know? seven and nine, though. We were seven for nine, yeah. though. I mean, like yeah. that's pretty decent. And we could have tried to get. You know, if you go for easy names, it's a lot easier to complete it. But obviously, we want to try to, you know, dig a little deep. Do. Of course we do. So yeah. what can you do? Love the Immaculate Grid, though. Let us know what you guys think. Do you like uh, do you like following along with us? Do you think hey, uh, I you think guys suck? Stop doing that. Let us know. <laughs> Let us know. Maybe next week for baseball for before the uh, for the World Series, we do a baseball one. Maybe for the start of oh. the NBA season, we do an NBA one. Who yeah, knows? Mix it up a little bit. Okay, I like that. Let us, let yeah. us know in the comments. See what you want to see, or tell us what you would want to see. So uh, that'd be a lot of fun. Down. Let's get into our NFL week season or week seven recap. Yes. Um. Now that we've got the NFL juices flowing, we're going with our NFL superlatives of the week. This is our favorite way to recap the week that was in the world of the NFL. And let's start off with our most impressive team, Dallin. And I'm going to let you kick this one off um, because the NFL world has been swirling around this team all year long. And this team just continues to impress week in and week out. Um, And they get another big W here in week seven. Yeah. Remember uh, that opening day, that, that Thursday to start the season? When Kansas City got beat by Detroit and everyone was like, oh, my God, what's going on? Kansas City. Whoa. Oh, they won the Super Bowl. What's happening? Uh, They've won six straight games since that game, Mitch, uh, including this past week. Uh, A good win against the Chargers, 31 to 17. Patrick Mahomes uh, on fire, 32 for 42, 424 yards, four touchdowns, one interception. Travis Kelsey with a huge game. Uh, 179 yards on 12 receptions for Kelsey and uh, five sacks by this chiefs defense. It was an all around impressive win for against a chargers team. Who's a a division foe who hopes to compete with you. And this was a game where Kansas city just showed, Hey, we're the tier above the rest, right? We're the standard. You got to reach us. If you want to have a say in you know, being a true contender and, uh, I think this sort of game, especially in the hindsight of this week and some of the games that we saw, it it proved that Kansas City is the team to beat in the AFC. As great as the AFC is, as strong as it is, it's incredibly deep. The playoff race is going to be intense. There's going to be good teams that miss out on the playoffs this year, the AFC. And on top of all that, Kansas City is the standard. They're the team you have to beat. uh, And they proved it uh, yet again uh, in that win on Sunday. Much like the big 10 says it comes through Michigan or Ohio state or that the sec, you have to go through Georgia, the AFC, you have to go through the chiefs. You yep. just have to. Um, and they continue. They, it was a good statement game for them. I think that like, this is a, this is a great statement win for them. They're like, Hey, we're still here. We're still here. We're still the top dogs. There's us and everyone else. And we are who you have to get to or get through to get to that Lombardi trophy. And I think this was a great statement win for the chiefs. Um, And I mean, it just solidifies all the beliefs and thoughts and 
you know, premonitions that we had about Kansas City coming into the year is that they're still the top dog. They're, nothing's changed. They they slipped in week one, but like we still, the, the Chiefs are still here. They're still the team to beat in the NFL, not just the AFC, the entire NFL. Um, and I feel like they made that statement this week uh, with their dub. Yeah. Well, uh, who's, uh, who impressed you most this week, Mitch? I mean, if I had the Chicago Bears, the, the fight song to play right now, I'd be playing <laughs> that. It's the Chicago Bears. I mean, yeah. look, I mean, such a tough start for us, right? 0-4 to start the year. I mean, things were just looking so bad. And, and of course, there was a lot of dysfunction behind the scenes and, and, the, and you know, in the coaching staff, the whole Allen Williams thing. Um, the, the play calling, where, where, where was the play calling from uh, coming from? Because it was certainly not making any sense what they were doing, especially with Justin Fields at your disposal. Justin Fields goes down and I'm going to be out. And last week I did not pick the bears to win that game. This game against the Las Vegas Raiders. Wow. Did not pick them because with Justin Fields out and we saw what Justin Fields and DJ Moore were when you can get them in a system that they're comfortable with each other, they're unstoppable. I mean, that duo is lethal if you get them in something that they're comfortable with now, Justin Fields is taken out of the equation. He's got the thumb issue. Tyler Bage or Tyson Bajan is the backup. We have no idea who this kid is. I'm not going to lie. If Justin Fields is out for a few weeks, I wouldn't mind a few weeks. Tyson Bajan <laughs> secret Bajan 007. <laughs> I love Tyson Bajan. And I love this bears team. Look, we're not going to be a a playoff contender, right? I think if we win seven games this year, that's a huge victory for that. That's a huge dub. I would like us to like maybe win around five or six games, so we have two top ten picks because we have Carolina's pick, who's still low in six, and maybe we could get you know the first overall pick and then maybe like a ninth or eighth pick. But that there there is hope in Chicago right now, and this win over the Raiders. It was convincing. It was a convincing win. They controlled the ball offensively. They they their, their time of possession was fantastic. I mean, they controlled the ball exceptionally well. In fact, if you look at the time of possession, they controlled the ball 34 minutes to 25 minutes over the Raiders, but they had drives that lasted eight, nine minutes, like chewed up huge chunks of the game. Um, I, I truly think that the bears are pointed in the right direction. The clouds are dark and they may see gloomy, but there's sunshine on the other side of the storm. We just have to be patient. <laughs> the bears team, this bears team is headed in the right direction. And I really like Tyler or Tyson. Ba I keep calling him Tyler Tyson Bajant. I really like what this kid has to offer as a backup opportunity, because I think he right now, he might be the best backup quarterback in all of football. I'll just point it out right now. Wow. I think with that the undrafted kid with one game, the D two quarterback, I love the you, D two quarterback. I love, you. I love the it. shepherd university quarterback. His dad is a like eight time arm wrestling champion. Uh, this kid has a, Oh, crazy he sounds like background. a bear already. Uh, he sounds like it, a bear it, already. It's fascinating. Uh, but yeah, I mean, he was huge and, uh, and a good win for the bears team to rally around it. Cause it's not like Tyson Bajan threw for 400 yards and four touchdowns. Like he was, incredibly efficient didn't make mistakes just 
did his job and did enough, obviously, in this win, and that's all you want. And it's good for the Bears team because, again, like you said, not a playoff team, probably not contending in, in the NFC North, but you just want to see progress this year for Chicago, and especially especially without Justin Fields on the uh, on the field. The fact that you can win games without him proving to your roster that, hey, you know, we oh. can do this as a team outside of whoever this quarterback is, that's a good sign for Chicago. Not even that. We're banged up at the running back position. Yeah. I mean, we're missing Roshan Johnson. We're missing um, uh, Khalil Herbert. We went to Donta Foreman. Donta Foreman was 16 for 89 and two touchdowns. He also caught a touchdown. I mean, the guy was fantastic. The goat, dude. His last eight games in Carolina last year, he was like RB1 last year. This guy should (laughs) be given a starting job immediately. I mean, this guy is super efficient when he's on the field. I love it. And Darrington Evans had a great day in the field, too. You know, he's 14 14 for 48. Great change of pace guy. Um, Yeah, just a lot to be excited about the Bears moving forward. But again, not a playoff contender. Not going to be a good year, but there's sunshine beyond the storm. Just, just hang tight, Bears fans. I'm with you. Hang tight. I'm with you. Yeah. Most uh, disappointing team in this last week, Mitch. Uh, uh, who was it for you? I mean, it's it's the Detroit Lions. Yeah. I mean, this was. I mean, I I love this Lions team. I still think the Lions these, this Lions team is great. I think Dan Campbell's got them headed in the right direction, but this is a bad loss. I mean, this was really bad. I, I, I was, you know, I was watching the Bears game. You know, I was watching the Bears game and checking up on all the games, and I, I was kind of in and out of a bunch of different ones. And next thing I know, the Lions are down twenty-eight nothing. And I checked back two minutes later, they're down thirty-five nothing. I mean, it was it was almost surreal to watch, especially because we just we know so much about how good this Lions team is, and the Ravens, as impressive as they were, it was shocking to see them beat a Detroit team that has so much promise and so much talent on that roster get blown out the way that they did. So, I mean, a great win for Baltimore, but I think this is more so a disappointing loss for Detroit because this was not even close um, to what we've been accustomed to seeing um, out of the lions over the first uh, six weeks of the season. Yeah. I do think it was quite a, a snap back to reality for Detroit, right? Who is, a, gr- a really good team. Very good. But Very we good. were starting to talk about them as like NFC favorites, NFC Super Bowl, you know, and I and I think this game was just a reminder that like they're probably not all the way there yet. And they've no. shown these flashes this year of being competitive and being in there. But this is a process that you've got to build towards. And as great as the defense started this season, I mean, they did absolutely nothing to that Baltimore offense. I mean, Lamar Jackson had a perfect passer rating in well into the fourth quarter. Uh, he, he could do anything he wanted. This offense did everything it needed to do. I, it was a perfect game for the Baltimore offense, but it just shows you, I think more of, all right, is, is Detroit closer to the five and one team or closer to this team much more in the middle, but they're not, an Eagles or San Francisco tight team, I think. And maybe this game proved that for them against what is a really good Baltimore team and credit to Baltimore for finally putting together. A oh good, yeah. A good game because they're five and two on the season, but they've looked shaky like all year and they've never really like especially offensively kind of put it together. And then all of a sudden in a really important game against Detroit, it's like, Oh my God, like 
this team is rolling. So yeah, very, very interesting game. And I think, I think there's a glaring need for the lions. If we could take anything away from this loss, there's a glaring need. There's their leadership on offense. I think that Jared Goff is a great leader. And I I think we see it there. There's leadership on the sidelines. Dan Campbell, he gets everyone to rally together. I love that leadership. We need to find the leadership on the defensive side of the football. Yeah. They just don't have that leader on that side of the football yet. And I think once they solidify that, then you're looking at a more complete team. They, they're not qu- quite there. Like you were saying, like we, they're good. They're just not quite there yet. Detroit's yeah. close, but not there yet. Yeah. And it probably a good way, a good loss, honestly, because it kind of reset oh, yeah. your expectations as a team. And you're like, all right, yeah, we're not hot shit. We gotta, we gotta exactly. really, you know, yeah. we gotta actually work our asses off. And I'm sure Dan Campbell's probably loving that this week, right. uh, being able to light a fire under his guys. Uh, my most disappointing team, I'm going with the Buffalo bills. Uh, and they've been mm-hmm. up and down all year, but I mean, losing to Mac Jones and the Patriots who were one in five and looked just down and out. I mean, I was ready to just, you know, call it, call it for the season on Belichick and the Patriots, but 29 to 25, they get the win over Buffalo. Buffalo falls to four and three. Josh Allen, good, not great run game, not really consistent enough. And it's the same sort of stuff with Buffalo where everything kind of works pretty well, but you know, turnovers and inefficiencies just hold them back at the end of the day. And they let a team like new England, who's clearly not better than you, get away with a win when they probably shouldn't have. So I don't think it's a huge uh, detrimental loss for Buffalo. I don't think it means a a ton for them other than that. This is just, I guess, more of the same that we've seen from them in the past and this year. I mean, that opening loss to the Jets. uh, I mean, this loss again, it's like you're playing with your food and you're letting them beat you. What are you doing? Elite teams close it out. They take care of business and Buffalo's just not doing that right now. Yeah, I mean, they they remind me a lot of those Chiefs teams before the Super Bowl wins, mm-hmm. where they were just like yeah. they had all the pieces in place, but like you said, playing with your food, they just didn't go and make the kill, right? They just yeah. they didn't figure it out all the way until you know a little bit further down the road. The problem is with the Bills is that they're doing this way too long, and the window is running out. And if they don't figure this out in the next year or two that window is going to close and this team that should have probably won at least one or two Super Bowls isn't going to win any because they didn't figure out how to close out games and be have that killer mentality. Um that's where the problem with the Bills is right now. And so I you know I I'm 100% on board with you as as far as you know being the most d- disappointing team of the week. This team just does not how to close it out. They don't have that killer mentality. They just yeah. don't. Like you can be great and not have the killer mentality. That'll only kill you. That'll only carry you so far. And for the bills, it's been divisional round. It's been conference championship mm. round. I don't even think they made a conference championship game yet. So it's been divisional round for them. I think they made the, the one against the chiefs. Maybe that was it, that, but that like double overtime, all that. I think Oh, maybe, that's right. But yeah. yeah. But that, but like if that, that's yeah. as far as that's going to carry you, you're not going right. to get a Lombardi without the killer instinct. And yeah. they don't have that right now. Don't let Josh Allen become the NFL's Chris Paul. Don't let him. Yeah. Don't let him just never reach it there. Be on great teams, have those shots, make good runs and not quite, you know, get it done. Don't let him do it. Buffalo figure it out. That's exactly <laughs> it. Um, So we, 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 
when we look past the disappointing teams down, of course, there's going to be overreactions um, throughout throughout the course of the week. And, of course, going on with what happened. Uh, down, let's look into your overreaction of the week. And I think you got an interesting one here when we look at the NFC East. Yeah, Giants got it done 14-7 to over the Commanders. No Daniel Jones in this game. The newly minted contract man this offseason but to rod taylor in uh in reprieve for him and an efficient effective game for to rod taylor 18 to 29 279 yards two touchdowns sacked four times uh added you know a little bit on the ground which is what to rod does uh, just a little bit not a ton but enough and uh you know new york gets a win gets to two and five on the season i think if New York actually wants to win this season, if, if Brian Dable is looking at his team, says, we want to compete, we're a competitive team, I think you should start Terod Taylor for the rest of the year, if that's what they want to do. Mm. I think Terod brings them a clearer path to winning right now than Daniel Jones is. One, D- Daniel Jones is just not healthy. If you're not healthy, you're probably not helping that much. And when a guy is already struggling, which he has been this year, and he's not healthy on top of it, Probably not a great situation. And Terod is experienced. He's a veteran. He clearly is able to come in and be efficient and protect the ball, which is the biggest problem for New York right now is protecting the ball. If he could do that and you want to win games, I think that's your route. It's not going to be pretty. It's going to be ugly 14 to 7 kind of wins like they had against Washington. But if Brian Dable and this team really wants to win, I think that's that's the path. If you want to you know, try out the, give this quarterback a run that you've invested in. If you want to, you know, like there's a lot of reasons to start Daniel Jones. Don't get me wrong, but if it's all about playoffs and winning, I, I, I'd feel more confident in Gerard Taylor, honestly, at this point, you know, New York is one of the toughest sports markets to play in, in the entire United States. And I think that if there's any sports market in the United States that stands behind their quarterbacks more than anyone, it's New York. And um, so I think they would say this is overreaction, but I don't think it is, Dallin. I mm. think you're spot on. I think you're spot on. Tyrod Taylor needs to, Tyrod, excuse me, let me pronounce his name right. Tyrod Taylor needs to start throughout the rest of the year if they want to win ball games. If they want to put themselves in a position to get that seventh seed, get into the, you know, maybe sneak in at, by the skin of their teeth to a playoff spot. Tarod Taylor needs to be the guy under center. Um, Mr. Puncture Lung has got a ton of talent and a ton of experience. And he, he, quite honestly, he knows how to take bad teams and win. We saw him do it in Cleveland. We saw him do it in San Diego or Los Angeles. Why can't he do it in New York? I mean, this guy is, he, he kind of is, I don't know everyone's dream backup quarterback because he comes in and he just does his job, puts his head down and does his job, but he does a great job at it. So why not Terod Taylor in the New York giants? I I'm, I don't think this is an overreaction at all. I think this is you're spot on with this one. Hell yeah. Love to see it. Mitch, what's your overreaction this week? I don't think the AFC East is a two horse race. Mm. I think that this one is very much a three horse race. And I'll tell you why. The Dolphins didn't look good the other night against, or last night, as of this recording, against Philadelphia. The Bills, they've had some very hit or miss weeks, and they're just coming off a really bad week against um, New England. 
The Jets, though, everyone wrote them off after Aaron Rodgers went down four plays into week one with the torn Achilles. They're three and three. They're three and three. They're still only, was that two games, two and a half games, a game and a half, whatever it is, out back of the Dolphins? This is not a two-horse race anymore. The Jets could sneak in to a playoff spot and spoil the playoff hopes of either the Dolphins or the Bills. I really think that the AFC East right now is one of the most wide-open divisions in all of football. I think there's probably maybe another division that's more wide open than that, but the AFC East where it seemed really to be at the beginning of the year, and it's the bills division to lose. Then the dolphins came out hot and go, well, it's bills and dolphins and Aaron Rodgers is down. So let's count out the jets. It's it's remained wide open. And now with the Pats win, I mean, who knows what's going to happen in the AFC West. I'm not saying the Pats are back and the Pats are going to win a bunch of games and, you know, put themselves in playoff contention, but this is at least a three horse, three horse race. It's not a two horse race anymore on the AFC East. Yeah. I will say that's not an overreaction. I'm not fully as on board with you. I do think, you know, especially with Buffalo right now at four and three, I mean, at four and three, the jets are only half a game back of Buffalo right now. And I will say for the jets, you know, three and three in their first six games and they've played Buffalo, Dallas, New England, Kansas City, Denver, and Philly. I mean, those that's not easy games. So the fact no. that they've survived that that stretch three and three bodes really well because you can look at the rest of their schedule. And honestly, Mitch, besides having to play the Dolphins, uh, you know, twice in division, they still got a game at Buffalo and a game at Cleveland. Other than that, it's really not that hard of a schedule. It's really not you know, hard to find wins there for New York. So with Zach Wilson seemingly doing enough with this team rallying uh, around the roster and Aaron Rodgers and everything that's happened. Yeah. I don't think it's unrealistic to say the jets are in this at least as an annoyance uh, in the side of Miami and Buffalo and someone not to be trifled with. Right? No. Yeah. hundred percent. hundred percent. Love it. MVP of the week, Mitch, every week we award, uh, biggest player from the past week, maybe a player, maybe somebody else. We're, we're pretty loose with our rules here. You can kind of do whatever you want, but, uh, <laughs> MVP this week, I'm going with Lamar. Give me Lamar Jackson as the MVP of this week. In fact, Mitch, I think that Lamar should probably, uh, start being in top four or five of MVP for the season conversations. He's had a very good year. This was his best performance of the season. 21 for 27, 357 and three touchdowns through the air. Also added 36 yards and a touchdown on the ground. The chemistry with Zay Flowers is blooming. It's this offense is coming together in a lot of good ways. And I feel like Baltimore is really hitting their stride. I'm excited to see what the next month or so brings for, for this Ravens team. Yeah, no, this is a, this is a great pick for MVP down because as critical as I have been of Lamar Jackson over his, the entirety of his career, um, he should definitely be, I think in the top three of that MVP conversation. I mean, he is just, he's absolutely performed incredibly well. Uh, he's played his ass off. Um, there's there's no question that he should be in that MVP conversation uh, as of right now, almost at the half point, halfway point of the year. So 
Uh, love that for Lamar. Down, I'm going to go on the defensive side of the football for my MVP, and I'm going to go with Miles Garrett. Miles mm, Garrett with the tight win over the Indianapolis Colts. They get it done 39-38, but Miles Garrett's stat line is is pretty damn good. Uh, nine total tackles, seven solo, two assisted. He's got two quarterback hits. Uh, those resulted in two sacks, and he also had the two forced fumbles and a pass defended. The guy was all over the field, um, proving that he is still a a consistent disruptor all over the field in any sort of capacity on the defensive side of the football. Uh, Miles Garrett, I'm going to give him the MVP of the week. I love that. He's been leading uh, one of the best stories of the year so far, which has been this Cleveland Browns defense and just how uh, nasty and tough that Cleveland Browns defense is led by Miles Garrett. He's got seven and a half sacks on the season. Third best in the NFL, only behind uh, TJ Watt, Daniel Hunter. So he's right up there. Defensive player of the year conversation, justifiably. So we've talked about him as a candidate over the last couple of years, a guy that's going to finally, you know, make that jump, win that award, perhaps uh, this year setting up for him. But uh, I like that pick. Great MVP. Yeah. Great. Great. Yeah. Love it. Uh, down the big L and uh, you and I both went in uh, similar, dis- similar directions here, but also a uh, different picks. And this was a tough week for fancy football <laughs> players. And, and look, this is the time of year where um, you, you will hear the term bipocalypse mm, come up yep. um, where guys are hitting their fancy football teams where four or five of their starters at the same week are hitting their bye weeks and yeah. you're basically punting the week and trying to put together the best roster you possibly can. Um, but Dallin, when it comes to our big L's, when it comes to, I guess the fantasy football world, um, it's not really a bipocalypse event that happened. It's kind of more of a, a series of unfortunate events. Yeah. Um, my, uh, yeah, my big L of the week, uh, and yes, this, some of this was personal cause I took part of this big L, but it is Bijan Robinson fantasy managers because as, as did I buddy, uh, an RB one and Bijan Robinson, uh, he's been great this year. He's been solid. This Falcons team, one of the best rushing attacks. It's like, all right, you just pencil him in. You don't think about it every week. You never think to move him out of your lineup and yet somehow Mitch and this has gotten to a point where the NFL is actually investigating why Bijan played so little in this game why he was not included in the injury report as teams are supposed to do before the game and who's available who's not Bijan Robinson plays 11 snaps in the game has one touch in the final like minute or two of the game for like three yards and that was it That was it. And listen, he might have cost you your week. I know he certainly didn't help me in my week. I could have, I would have loved the 15 to 20 points that Bijan was going to be penciled in for this week. And yet somehow 11, 11 snaps, no explanation. He was dealing with a headache. What, what, what are we doing? If he's not available, please tell me so I could put somebody else in the goddamn lineup. It's ridiculous. So, yeah, we all took a big L this week if you had B. John Robinson in your fantasy lineup, and it's unfair, and uh, I want retribution. Yeah, it was about uh, <laughs> one and three quarters of the, you know, one quarter and about three quarters of the way through the second quarter that I noticed that Bijan still hadn't touched the football all game yeah. long. 
And I got a notification from Sleeper. By the way, if you're not, not using the Sleeper app for your fantasy football stuff, make sure that you use Sleeper. It's a fantastic app. But I got a, a notification saying that Bijan Robinson is, quote, not feeling so good. <laughs> what like, the hell okay. does that mean? Get him in the game. Strap up and go. Come on. Plenty of guys play sick. Strap up, kid, and let's go. I mean, I was I, I, I was so upset with that. Now, thankfully, it didn't kill me because I had some really good performances from other players throughout the week. But, um, my God, like, you have to, like, scratch him before game time. Scratch him 15 minutes before game time so people have time to change him out of his lineups. Like, I know that's a silly thing to act, ask for because like they're running a business in the in the national football league but like as a fantasy football player i also just like want to know so like i don't have to play him and i can right. play someone else it, it seems like a silly thing to ask for but um yeah i i get it that's a big l for Bijan. i was a Bijan owner uh in one of our dynasty leagues uh thankfully it didn't hurt me um thanks to um, what I'm going to talk about here from my big L and my big L goes to Thomas Munson and Thomas, I hope you're listening to this uh, Thomas Munson. If you don't know for the listeners who we're talking about one of our good friends, uh, a, a great friend of mine um, who uh, I've known for a long time, but also plays in multiple fantasy football leagues with us uh, had Brock Purdy playing last night and led by a single point. Um, when the, Niners took the ball for the last time. Um, I looked at my girlfriend and I said, I need Brock Pur- Purdy to throw a pick right now. Brock Purdy threw the pick. Tom lose by- loses by a point based on the Brock Purdy pick. I know. I'm sorry, Tom, if you're listening to this, but I have to take my victory lap because this was one of the most clutch moments I've ever felt in fantasy football. And um, you're going to get the big L of the week for me. Uh, because this was just this was the most clutch thing I've ever had happen to me in, the, in fantasy football in my life. You hate to see it for Thomas. You love to see it for Mitch Mo. Uh, yeah. It yeah. feels good when it happens for you. It feels absolutely awful when it happens to you. But that's fantasy football. That's how it goes. That's how it goes, man. That's why we play the goes. games. That's right. That's how. That's why we lift all those weights. That's all we do. All that shit. The, the quote the great Bill Parcells, but. <laughs> Um, Dallin, great NFL week seven recap. I think we've covered all our bases, right? I think we've done that. Um, but let's get into our quick picks, the quick picks that we do every single week for week eight and Dallin little update for the people and how this went, because, um, look, you kicked my ass last week, man. You kicked my ass. It was a huge swing. Dallin, you go nine and four. And I went five and eight. I don't remember the last time I was. I don't remember the last time I went that far under 500. Yeah. It's been a long time. It's rare for one of us to go that low. I mean, it was really, really bad. But man, you take the huge three game leap. Um, You're now 65 and 41. I am 62 and 44. Um, This was a huge, huge swing for you. Uh, to get these big dubs. And all I can say is going into this week, I have to make the right picks. 
I have to do yeah. it because I have to draw a little bit closer. It was just what I needed. I trailed you all year. And even when I had a good week, you had an equally good week or a slightly better week. And it's like, I just couldn't catch you. We'll finally have a big swing and uh, we'll see. Uh, we'll see how it picks up this week as we jump into week uh, eight of our quick picks. And we'll start with Thursday night football. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers headed up to the New York State on the Buffalo Bowl. Bills favored. Minus eight and a half in this one at home. We talked about the inconsistent Bills. Which version of this team will we see this week? I think it'll be a good one. Give me Josh Allen. Give me the Bills at home on Thursday night. Yeah, I got to get the Bills. Big rebound week for them. Get them done over the over the uh, Bucks on at home. Got to take the Bills in this one. Following that game down to kick off the Sunday morning slate, the New York Jets. They're not traveling far. They're going to stay in the Big Apple, and they're going to go take on the New York Giants. Right now, the Jets favored at minus three on the road. Give me the Jets. Jets, road favorites. I like this over this Giants team. Uh, J-E-T-S, Jets, Jets, Jets. Give me the guys in green. Yeah, it'll probably feel weird for those guys in Gotham Green to head over to the a visiting locker room for this game and not be able to post up in the home locker room at MetLife as they're accustomed to because they will be the road team. But uh, I like the Jets in this one. They figured some things out the last couple weeks. Two wins. They had a bye week last week. Come out with a big victory. Zach Wilson just does enough. Jets get it done on the road. Following that, Mitch. The Jacksonville Jaguars are leaving the swamps of Jacksonville, and they're headed to the Steel City to take on the Pittsburgh Steelers. Jacksonville favored minus two and a half on the road. The AFC South leaders maintain their lead in the division. They get the dub on the road. Give me Jacksonville. Tons of ca- tons of confidence right now in the Jags. I like them to get it done over the boys from the Steel City. Give me the Jaguars over the Steelers. Following that game, we have the Philadelphia Eagles. They are leaving the city of brotherly love to head over to the nation's capital to take on the Washington Commanders. Right now, Philadelphia minus six and a half road favorites. I like Philly in this one. Good rebound game. Get it done in convincing fashion. Give me the Eagles on the road. Yeah, Philly with a big win on uh, Sunday night. They look to build upon that. And, uh, yeah, Washington down bad. Sam Howell, he can't stay in the pocket. This offensive line can't protect him. And that Eagles defensive line is going to feast on Sunday. Give me the Eagles on the road over Washington. Following that, Mitch, the Los Angeles Rams, the fighting Puka Nakua's. They're headed to the Lone Star State to Jerry World to take on the Dallas Cowboys. Cowboys favorite at home, minus six and a half. But give me the Rams in an upset on the road. I like how they're playing. They didn't win last week. Had some big mistakes, some kicking problems. They they released their kicker. They brought in somebody else. But this is a competitive team that's going to be in pretty much every game with a chance to win. And I think they get it done. Give me the Rams. High-scoring affair in Jerry World is what I'm calling right here. Yeah, I'm talking both teams in the 30s, a 38-31 type ball game. I love this Rams team. I think they've been playing exceptionally well, but this is for my boy Gio. How about them Cowboys? Give me Dallas to get it done at home over the Rams in Jerry World. Give me the boys. Following that game, a even line. 
No spread here and even line. Green Bay, they're leaving the state of Wisconsin to head over to the upper Midwest to take on the Minnesota Vikings at home. Vikings at home. And an even matchup. I don't, I don't even know where to pick this game down, but all, I, I got one word for you. Skull! Hmm. Skull! Skull! I guess that's three. Give me the Vikings at home over the Green Bay Packers. Yeah, you know, they had a big win on Monday night over the Niners. Can Kirko Cousins keep the momentum going? I'm going to say not so fast. Green Bay, up and down season so far. Jordan Love had a, you know, not some great couple games, but he's also showed uh, well at times this year. I say Green Bay gets it done on the road in the NFC North matchup. Give me the Packers over the Vikings. Following that, Mitch, can we call it? Can we give it to them? Garbage game of the week. Here? That's pretty bad. It's pretty bad. Yeah, it feels pretty bad. Let's do it. Garbage just, game of the this week. Is just hot garbage. Straight hot garbage. You're a garbage person. That's right. Garbage game of the week. And we're giving it to the Atlanta Falcons traveling uh, just a little bit north to Tennessee to take on the Tennessee Titans. Atlanta favored minus two and a half on the road in this one. Give me Desmond Ritter and the Falcons to get it done over the Titans. And please, for the love of God, give Bijan Robinson more than one touch or just tell me if he's not going to play. Please. Yeah, I mean, Tennessee, this is Tennessee is the reason this is the garbage game of the week, because this is like I'm sick of their shit. I'm (laughs) sick of their shit. This is this is the worst team in the NFL to watch play football right now. Uh, Give me Atlanta as the road favorites in this one. Uh, I like the I like the Falcons over I almost called them the Hawks. The Falcons over the Titans in this one. Um, I like Atlanta. Following that game down, we have the Patriots. They are leaving New England to head down to Miami to take on the Miami Dolphins. The Finns right now favorites at home, minus nine and a half. Give me Miami in this one. I don't know if they cover the spread. It's a big one for an NFL spread. Nine and a half is a big spread to cover. They might be able to cover it here over New England, though. I like Miami in this one. New England, that's a fluke. Give me the fins. Traditionally, I would say this is the Miami trap game that New England wins on the road in Miami. It feels like almost every year they win that one. It's very strange. But not after this Buffalo, this win over Buffalo that New England had, and not after the loss that Miami had uh, in convincing fashion to Philadelphia. They want to look to bounce back prove that they are a contender new england they got the lucky win last week not gonna come in miami give me the dolphins at home to take care of business following that mitch the new orleans saints are headed to indiana to take on the indianapolis colts thank god they won't be wearing those god-awful black jerseys that they wore last week what are we think it looks like a tv show football team out there like what are we on the cw come on well, they were. It was blue. It was. They were blue jerseys. It was blue oh. and black, and it looked yeah. like a bruise to me. It was awful. It was bad. Colts, though, favored minus one in this one at home. I will take New Orleans. Give me the Saints on the road to get it done. Yeah, I mean this. The Saints are an intriguing pick here. I mean the line's only minus one, but I'm going to take the Colts here. I'm going to take the Colts at home to get it done. Gardner Minshew. Hello, welcome back. 
Minshew Mania is alive and well in the NFL. I like that quarterback to get it done at home <laughs> against a struggling, kind of struggling, not really sure if they're all the way there, New Orleans State's team. I like the Colts in this one. Give me the horseshoes. Following that game to wound out the morning slate, the Houston Texans, they are leaving the Lone Star State to head over to the Carolinas to take on the Carolina Panthers right now. Houston right now favored minus three on the road. Carolina home dogs. I got two words for you, Dallin. Keep pounding. A win has to come somewhere for the Carolina Panthers. They cannot go winless. It happens this week against the Houston Texans. Give me the Carolina Panthers at home to get this one done. I like the Cats. Mitch, number one pick in the draft, Bryce Young, versus number two pick in the draft, C.J. Stroud. These guys will be tied together. Panthers fans have already been talking for the last month or so about, oh, see, we should have drafted Stroud over Young. Look how good he looks, and our guy sucks, and this is how it works with these rookies. And here they get to face off for the first time in the NFL against each other, and an important game for Carolina coming off the bye, 0-6. You need to find the win column. And they're going to do it, Mitch. Keep pounding. Give me the Panthers at home. Win number one, baby. I don't care if there's not many more after that. We got to just at least get one on the board. I'm rolling with Carolina as well. Afternoon slate of games, and we've got some good ones on here. The Cleveland Browns headed to the Northwest to take on the Seattle Seahawks at Lumen Field. Tough place to play. Seattle favored minus three. Is Deshaun Watson playing this game? He got injured again uh, last week. And, uh, you know, Cleveland able to survive without him. Uh, will they be able to do so again against the Seattle Seahawks on the road? P.J. Walker played well. I don't think he's good enough to get that done. Give me Seattle at home. I'm going to take the P.J. Walker hype. And that say that he is going to be able to get this one done. I like this Cleveland defense enough that they're going to be able to shut down that Seattle offense that has faltered at times throughout the year. Give me the Brownies on the road in the Emerald City. I like the Browns to one, get this one done on the road in Seattle. Following that game, the Cincinnati Bengals. They're leaving the zoo and headed down to the city by the bay and taking on the San Francisco 49ers. Niners right now. Five and a half point favorites at home. Look, the tough look, tough look for the Niners this last week. I think they rebound. I think they get this one done against Cincinnati. I want to brock and roll all night and purdy every day. They get this one done. Niners in a landslide over the Bengals. Yeah, you know, Niners have been it riddled with the injury bug. They've dropped two straight games. Uh, put up 17 points in each of those games. And you've got a Cincinnati team on on the other side that started off the season really slow, but it seemed to, before the bye week, kind of put some stuff together. Defense really showing out strong. What does the matchup look like here? Can the Cincinnati defense prove to be as strong against this Niners offense that's missing pieces and is not fully healthy? I say San Francisco drops another game and panic mode sits in for the Niners. Give me Cincinnati on the road in a tight one to get her done. Get to four and three. Joe Burrow, the Tiger King 
gets the win. Following that, an AFC West matchup. Kansas City headed to the Mile High City to take on Russell Wilson and the Denver Broncos. He's thrown more touchdowns than he has bathrooms in his house already this season. So already a better season than what we saw in 2022 for Russell Wilson. But I don't think it brings a win on Sunday. Give me Kansas City on the road. Kansas City, 212. Denver, 17. That's where I got it. I mean, blowout. Blowout. Give me Kansas City as the road favorites over the Denver Broncos. I mean, huge win for the Chiefs. Following that game down, the Baltimore Ravens, they are leaving the state of Maryland to head over to the desert to take on the Arizona Cardinals, who have somehow hung around with Joshua Dobbs and made themselves not relevant, but not the worst team in the NFL by some by, by some sort of miracle. Right now, Baltimore favored eight and a half on the road. Um, still no chance I'm taking Arizona in this one. Give me Baltimore. Give me Lamar Jackson. Give me that Ravens team to get it done in the desert. Uh, I like the Ravens in this one. Yeah, it seems like Baltimore's really clicked. Uh, they really found something these last couple of weeks. I think they continue that in the desert. Give me Baltimore. Cardinals, though. Yeah, they're not the best team in the league, but, man, are they competitive. And they're not going to be an easy out every given week, and they've proven that. Very impressed by them so far this season, despite the 1-6 record. But tough draw here hosting the Ravens on Sunday. Uh, Sunday night football, Mitch. Your Chicago Bears in prime time. Headed to the City of Angels to take on the Los Angeles Chargers in front of all 23 of their fans at SoFi Stadium. Going to be a hell of a game. Uh, Chargers favored minus eight and a half in this one. Probably going to have Tyson Bajan in again for this uh, matchup. And yeah, I understand that line, but almost feels a little disrespectful to Chicago. It should be a little closer of a game than that. I will pick the Chargers to win this one at home. But not an easy win for L.A. I think Chicago makes it a close one. Yeah, I mean, the Chargers are, are the better team here. They are the better team here. Um, but we're forgetting Tyson, Bajan 007, secret Bajan 007. What they have put together offensively, defensively, the, the Bears are back. You got to be crazy if you think I'm not taking my Bears. Bear done! Give me the Bears on the road in SoFi. In fact, give me them to cover the plus eight and a half. <laughs> I like the Bears in this one. Bear down on Sunday Night Football, prime time. Justin Herbert, he falls apart under the bright lights of prime time. I like the Bears. Love Following it. that game down, Monday Night Football, the Las Vegas Raiders following their tough loss to my beloved Chicago Bears, are headed over to the Motor City to take on the Detroit Lions. Lions right now, eight-point home favorites. Lions looking for a bounce-back win. I think this is the perfect spot to get it in big fashion. Blowout win by the Lions. I like the Lions at home. Yeah, it seems like Jimmy Garoppolo will be back, could be back for this game. That certainly bodes well for the Raiders, who have been dealing with his injury and not having him available. Uh, throwing out Brian Hoyer out there. Uh, the Lions are going to win this game, though. It's, like you said, perfect opportunity for them to bounce back, get right back on track, take the L last week for what it was. It's all good. Move forward, get the win. 
and uh, get the season rolling again. So, yeah, give me Detroit at home on Monday night. Yes. It's a great slate of games, Mitch. Some good oh, picks as well. Fantastic. <laughs> I mean, I hope they're good picks because I need to catch you a little bit, bud. I mean, <laughs> you, you gapped me a little bit. Those are fantastic picks. Um, and, Dallin, I think that is going to wrap us up for the podcast. Yeah, it's, it is going to do it. Before we fully wrap this thing up, though. Oh, my gosh. Uh, we yeah, we well, got to do well, a little check-in here. I was incorrect. This game is not over yet, unfortunately. We're just under two hours into this podcast. And uh, the NLCS Game 7 still going on again. We are live on Tuesday night, October the 24th. Diamondbacks lead this one heading into the ninth. They're up 4-2 over the Phillies. Do we dare assume that the Diamondbacks are going to pull this off and make picks right now? Because I, I swear if we do, it's like a guarantee that the Phillies pull this thing out. I know. Do I almost wanted to hold that? off. I say um, we wait. I, I say, say we, we wait. wait. Wait, we will so wait, wait, the World Series, the World Series would start Friday, though. So it, we it'll would... start before the next podcast that we have. Um, so we won't be able to put out formal picks on the podcast. Obviously, again, we know the Rangers are coming out of the AL, winning in Game Seven over the Astros. Diamondbacks, Phillies, going on right now. Again, D-backs up two as we're recording, seemingly on their way. I will say though, Mitch. I feel like this Rangers team is rolling and as shitty as it would be for the Phillies to get to the world series and lose again, back to back years. I think no matter who gets out of the NL, I think I rolling with the Rangers right now. They seem like they've got all the momentum, all the energy at Garcia, the villain right now. And he's embracing that. And it's, they've just got something rolling right now. that feels like it's hard to beat. I, I, I was, I was actually going to make my pick based off, whoever came out of the NLCS here. And I was going to say, if it is Philly, if it's the Phillies, it's the Rangers and seven. If it's the Diamondbacks, it's the Rangers and five. I mean, they're just, that's just, that just feels right. I I feel like you and I are on the same page here. This this Rangers team is just rolling so well right now that it's going to be, you got it here. We both picked the Texas Rangers to win the World Series over whoever comes out of the NLCS, which is it would be their first ever too. So it would be their first World wow. Series victory of all time. So there you go. It's yep. exciting stuff. We again we love this time of year with so many sports going on. And you can stay up to date with everything we've got going on social media. Follow us on X. Join us live every Tuesday at Sports Hour, guys. You can also subscribe to the YouTube channel and catch us there at youtube.com slash the sports hour guys. Instagram and TikTok are at the Sports Hour, guys. You can drop us a follow there. Mitch, uh, tell the people where they can find the podcast. Yeah, you can get this podcast wherever you listen to your podcast. That's Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher. If you just look up the Sports Hour, guys, you'll find us there. We'll be there. If you're not watching here live on the YouTube show, of course, which we hope you are. We hope that you're tuning into the YouTube channel. But if you can't, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher. Look up the Sports Hour, guys. You will find us there. Get on Apple Podcasts. Leave us a rating review. Tell us that we suck because, Dallin, that is the only way that we can get better. Yeah, uh, that is the only way that we can get better. We'd like to do that. We're going to try to do that uh, every week. That's what we We try try to do here. It's the goals. It's been fun. Episode 181, it was a good one. 
and uh, look forward to more football, more NBA, NBA preview, a little more so next week. So look forward to that. So until next time, we love you. We appreciate you. And we will catch you next week. So long, everybody. And a very pleasant thing to do wherever you may be. See ya.